0: Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, we hear all about the great Antarctic explorer, Ernest Shackleton, born in Athai 100 years ago next month. The centenary of Ernest Shackleton's death is in January. At his hometown of Athai in County Kildare, is planning a number of events to mark the occasion. I was at the Atai, Heritage Centre and Shackleton Museum this week to hear about the great man. In the age of Antarctic exploration at the beginning of the last century, he is one of the three names most remembered. There's Scott, Amundsen and Shackleton. I took a tour of the museum with Kevin Kenny, one of the world's leading Shackleton experts and one of the prime movers behind the museum.
1: OK, so the museum is based in the 1700s market house in Ethay, County Kildare. Ethay uh, was the town of the Dukes of Leinster who lived nearby in Kilke Castle. Uh, and so this was their market house with a vaulted, vaulted roof on the ground floor uh, and then some two floors above that. You've made the
0: Shackleton Museum here. Why Ethay?
1: Okay, he was born about four miles outside the town, so this is the nearest big town to him. Obviously, his father was farming there, so he, he would have been in a tie uh, as a child. Um, and so we feel we're as entitled to, we have where he was born, and as of 2015, we have where he died in, in the cabin in which he died on the, on the quest just 100 years ago, next January. So we feel we have where he born, we have where he, he died. He was always proud to be Irish, so we have as much right to claim him as anybody. Why do we remember so much about him, and why is is he remembered? I think again, he was forgotten about for a long time um, because Captain Scott and his sort of his you know his death and his heroic death rang bells. But I think now we realise Shackleton was all about the people who were um, who were with him. He was all about um, their welfare. Um, and, you know, their welfare surpassed any of his own ambitions. So he was quite willing to change plans. He was quite willing to adopt to a particular situation. And he looked after everybody that was with him on his expeditions. And we have evidence of that from a stowaway uh, who was found on the ship where he followed up with that stowaway afterwards to ensure his welfare to Tom Crean, where he sort of encouraged Tom to go and do his exams. Um, so I think Shackleton was sort of a, a, a a, a caring type character who managed also to lead the most ambitious expeditions. He's most
0: famous for the endurance, mm. and you've got a, a replica of the ship down here.
1: Yeah, the, the, so the, the replica is a scale model. It was the one used in the, the Channel 4 docudrama uh, Kenneth Brannis starred as Shackleton. Um, so this ship was used for the, the film scenes in that. Okay. It's a very big model. It's what maybe about fifteen feet long. Fifteen, yeah, yeah. And it's got you know, it's 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 as it's it's very detailed and it's worth studying it actually in detail because you can see uh, various pieces on it. You can see the four lifeboats. Uh, they became the famous lifeboats, the James Caird, the, the Dudley Docker, and the Stancomb Wills. The, this ship
0: is most famous for it got trapped in the ice in the Antarctic. It mm-hmm. eventually sank. Mm-hmm. He made the journey on this mm-hmm. other little boat over how That's many it. miles? About 800
1: miles. In terrible weather. Uh, yeah. Went back and got everybody out of That's life. That's right. Fourth attempt, he, he rescued all. So the, the ship itself got stuck in the ice in uh, January 1915 drifted um, and was slowly crushed by September it was beginning to get crushed October they abandoned it November the ship disappeared through the ice ice closed over This surreal moment uh, and he writes about it Shacklin writes about it Shacklin was also very good at expressing himself and I think that's another piece that brings him to us nowadays he was just really good at describing uh, a scene often reached for poetry or something to express the, the deep meaning of a scene but It was almost surreal when the ship sank, um, and there was no contact with the outside world. World War One was raging, um, and again, just through optimism, which was another big characteristic of Shackleton. There and then, his first words were: "Ship and stores are gone, so we're going home." Four rescue attempts, and on the fourth attempt, he he retrieves them all. And his words to um, Frank Worsley, with him on the boat, was as he counted them, running down on Elephant Island, come to the boat, counted 22, they're all alive Frank, I would have felt like a murderer if anyone died. Let's talk about the ship,
0: the Endurance a very, very strong ship, the characteristics of it. It has
1: three masts, sailed boat, but it also had a very large steam engine. Yeah, a l- large steam engine. Uh, the ship itself was built in Norway. It was built for the um, Adrian de Garlasch, the and, and a consortium who were going to use it for Arctic hunting trips. And supposedly the strongest ship ever built. Interesting as well that you say it, we had a visit during the week from uh, Menson Bound, who's, who's from the Falklands, but he's leading the expedition to try and find Shackleton's endurance um, they tried in 2019 uh, lost the submersible that was searching for it so they're going back again they're quite confident they'll find that they'll find something and that big steam engine would probably will probably be the giveaway.
0: He had been almost to the, the South Pole before uh,
1: Scott the leader of that expedition died why was Shackleton going back? He, he was with Captain Scott in 1902 um, that's where he first met Tom Crean um, With Scott and Dr Wilson, three of them tried to get to the South Pole, all suffering from scurvy. Uh, Scott actually sent him home a year early on a relief ship and and sent him home and told him he was unfit for work in the polar areas. Uh, So there was a first big setback, but he picked himself up from that 1907 uh, organized another expedition uh, leading to January 1909 he was 97 miles from the south pole amundsen said later that's what gave amundsen the inspiration the, the man who first reached the south um, pole yeah that's what gave him the inspiration that it could be done so it was a sequence of really good decisions throughout his life, leading then to endurance where we get just a, a run after run of great leadership and, and great decisions. We walk around, and we, when we look at the ship, There is one piece maybe that, that Fergal, it might interest your, your listenership. Maybe someone can come with an explanation... But there's two binnacles on the ship. It's one of the first things I noticed. Uh, That's that's two uh, stands for the compass, for two compasses. Yes. No, I I mean, again, my theory is that, uh, again, as you got to the polar regions, uh, because of the magnetic field, compass navigation started to get dodgy. Uh, So I don't know, was it a backup? Was it so essential? Was one to sort of counter-check the other? I don't know. But someone might have some idea, and I'd love to hear it.
0: The Endurance, of course, became trapped in the ice in 2015 and sank in November of that year. The museum has commissioned a CD on the Endurance and in this extract, John McKenna reads from Shackleton's description of the sinking ship. It's followed by a Piper's Lament, also commissioned by the museum, called Antarctic
2: Tears. Losing a ship is like losing a life. It is the loss of a life. Endurance was not some piece of wood and metal. It was not a thing. It was our home, our womb, our resting place, our source of shelter from the storms. It was our present and our future. Endurance was our hope. In mid-October, I had noticed a change of tune in the singing of the ice. And then the ship began to tilt, and the dogs began to howl a bitter, frightened howling. And the ice went on keening, and the timbers of endurance began their own sad, dying song. And I knew that everything was changing, that an end was drawing closer. The ice came at us in a wave. Its movement was slow, methodical, calculated, but unstoppable. And then the ship began to leak. Antarctic tears spilled in instead of out. Icy, bitter, black, emotionless. There was nothing we could do as a frozen sea moved and crushed against the sturdy timbers I had thought would last the winter and beyond. The ship was doomed. I ordered everyone to leave Endurance, and we took as much as we might carry from her hold. Back and forth we went, while she moaned and shifted uneasily, unwilling to let us go refusing to accept the inevitability of her fate. Camped on the ice floe, we went back time and time again, taking only what was useful, nails from planks, some of Hurley's photographic plates, but less than he'd have liked. The rest we smashed so that there could be no change of mind. I took a few pages from the ship's Bible, my gold watch I left behind. But I insisted Hussie take his banjo. Its music would be our companion and our encouragement. We would hear it and remember home and remember the possibilities of the other lives we'd lived and hoped someday to recapture. At five o'clock on the evening of November 21st, after the ice had stepped back like pallbearers at a funeral, endurance slipped lower in the water, her stern pointing skywards. We stood, wordless, on the ice floe, while she said her last farewell, a cacophony of cracking timber and rushing water. And then she was silent, sinking into her watery sepulchre. The bravest ship, She had struggled to the bitter end for life and liberty. Endurance had fought for us, and now she was gone. Well named. Well named.
0: Music composed by Brian Hughes. You can get that CD from the Atai Heritage Centre Museum. Now back at the museum with Kevin Kenny. And on to another one of the exhibits. We're here then. There's a part of one of his
1: ships, not actually the Endurance, but another one in the museum. Yeah, So this is the Crow's Nest from the Shackleton Rowett expedition uh, where the ship, the Quest, was used. So this was his final expedition, the one he died on. And it was all happening actually 100 years ago as, as we speak. He, he died on January the 5th, uh, 1922. The Crow's Nest here, um, uh, we got it through the good offices of the South Georgia uh, Heritage Trust and uh, a church in London who had it. Uh, it had just lain in a vault there. But Um, Obviously, crow's nests were essential for ships working in ice. It goes on top of the foremast, so that you have your
0: lookout there to see what's going on.
1: Exactly. So the lookout lookout up there, really important to be able to direct the helm as to which way to go if they were navigating through leads in the ice. The unique one on this one, now there isn't actually any evidence of it here, but in photographs you'll see various pipes and wires going into it. Um, It was a heated crow's nest. And again, we think another of Shackleton's great traits were always wanting the best conditions for his his crew, be it the scientists, the best instrument, be it the sailors, the best gear. Um, And he was also, he was the expert witness in the Titanic inquiry in 1912. And on that, he was on about, if you give a lookout bad working conditions, uh, it's very hard for them to keep their focus. So we would feel that the heat of Crow's Nest was probably an innovation that he was bringing in as a result of all that.
0: On his evidence at the Titanic inquest,
1: what did he say there? He was very keen. So it was obvious he knew about ships. He knew about sailing ships. And remember, he was merchant navy. He started at at the bottom as an apprentice himself. Um, So he was very keen on um, the conditions. As I say, if you you put the lookout um, up for hours looking out, um, they're going to lose interest. If you put two up together they will probably be talking to each other and distract each other. If you give them binoculars, that's an interesting one because the, that lower that the binoculars were left behind in Cove or wherever. Um, in fact, he says, you know, the human eye scanning would pick out a, a blip on the horizon quicker than the focus of the binoculars. So the binoculars would be secondary, the human eye first. Um, he also said about slowing down the ship. In his opinion, it was going too fast. There was a suggestion about trying to find an ice-free route to North America. Shackleton said, no way. If you say it's ice-free shipping companies will stop having lookouts and you can never guarantee that it's going to be ice free and i think most importantly um, tying in with captain smith on the titanic he said you know the, the 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 officers on a blue ribbon ship with with the board of the owning company on board are going to be forced to make decisions are going to come under pressure to make decisions that they wouldn't make in normal times we'll go on to another exhibit you have here a sled yeah, the sled here, and it's, it's a really interesting. One. That comes uh, on loan from Jonathan Shackleton, who sort of leads the, the Irish Shackleton family. Um, Jonathan got it uh, from New Zealand, and it's one of the sleds. It's made of wood. It's about 15 feet long. Yeah, it's a standard uh, called a Nansen sled, the design, and it's, it's about 15 feet long. The wood in particular, it, you know, it would be particular types of wood, and it's bound by sort of hide, raw hide, bindings and and this was shock absorbers. this was the way that the sled would would work over rough ice, rough snow. um it would have been hauled by uh, in people shackleton also the dogs could be attached to it or ponies or shackleton brought a car as well to to antarctica so but this was the standard sled built in norway uh, to that design and and again jonathan got it from new zealand and it's a sled that was used one of the sleds that shackleton used when he got to 97 miles from the south pole he was a great correspondent and a great diary keeper yeah, Shackleton was was really good, I think, uh, at expressing himself and again innovative. So he did um, uh, wax cylinder recordings, which you can still find. I think the the British Library have them. You can still find them online. Um, he did uh, and writing his diaries, of course. But he was also, uh, you know, at one stage he he was asked um, about being an explorer, and he said, "You can't be an explorer if you're not a romantic." Um, and he was very into poetry and literature. You have a replica of the car he brought, which is yeah. <laughs> pretty extraordinary that he'd try and bring something like this. Yeah, well, it, there was a bit of a story to this. This was the, the Nimrod expedition, and uh, one of his big sponsors was William Beardmore, a, a big shipbuilder um, on the Clyde. But William Beardmore had bought the Aral Johnston Car Company, and this is a, a 1904-ish Aral Johnston um, of the same make up of the car that Shackleton brought it's obviously not the car Shackleton brought that car i think is in Christchurch in uh, New Zealand sure.
0: Mostly made of wood, you wouldn't pass an NTT no. in a fish.
1: <laughs> you you also then have replicas or
0: reproductions of various new, newspapers. So for example, new Antarctic expedition now underway as it goes under Tower Bridge in London. Yeah, it was obviously big news on the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is again we're focusing on his final expedition the Shackleton. Roat expedition. The ship Quest uh, was used on that. Um, but that was big news at the time, and it was you know Shackleton. It was after World War One, and again Shackleton was going back again. And at that stage he just he was sort of iconic status um, uh, on what he was achieving and what he had done and how he was what he was capable of doing. I think it was his capability. So on this one he was going to sort of try and map Antarctica and um, identify different uh, uh, you know, different features on maps which had been reported as islands maybe, but there were possibly icebergs or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So again it was a whole expedition back down. He took Boy Scouts with him on, on this expedition and again all part of, um, I think, his interest in people and his interest in actually developing people, but it was also a big publicity piece, you know. One of his main
0: interests was looking after his crew, making sure everybody got back alive, everybody was safe.
1: Yeah, no, and and again, part of that great leadership, uh, actually, it's it's fair to say he never achieved, if you look at it in business terms, he never achieved the objective which he set out to do. Uh, But he had that ability to to switch, switch mid-track, look at what was ahead of him and adjust to whatever was ahead of him always with the welfare of himself but his crew in mind and um, so and I think you know he always came back 100 years later we're talking about him fondly I think uh, he's well regarded and it was for that ability to flex but he always came back with a huge success be mm. it be it the overcoming overwhelming forces to get everyone back alive.
0: Now, and we, we go down here then, you, you have a, a huge project
1: on the way, which is, i let you tell us what it is. Okay, right, well, I suppose starting where we're standing, Caldera um, County Council and the Department of Arts Heritage have come in. They want to redevelop this building as the Shackleton Museum. Um, and part of that then will be uh, the cabin in which Ernest Shackleton died from the, the Quest expedition, as I say, 100 years ago next January. That at the moment is, is being conserved in the west of Ireland, the conservation letter frack. That was given it to us for, uh, by uh, a man in the very north of Norway. His grandfather had owned the shipyard that had bought Shackleton's ship after his final expedition. And they took the cabin off it in which Shackleton had died and preserved it. Why, why would they do something like that? They realised the value of it. They realised, not the monetary, they realised the significance of it. This is the Shackleton, the cabin in which Shackleton had, had bought. And there's a great story. We were we were up at the shipyard in 2015, um, and the man there was able to tell us, it, it, they took it off the ship, hitched it to a sled with 12 horses and dragged it to their mountain farm and kept it there. And again, the conditions in the very north of Norway, above the Arctic Circle, the wood was was all preserved, um, in it and he, that man was over here around 2013 2014 saw what we were doing and sort of said uh, I think you should have the cabin we then had a problem of how do we get it back and contacted just contacted literally a DFDS shipping company in Denmark um, the chief executive there uh, very early on expressed himself a big Shackleton fan and it all happened from there is now being restored in the west of Ireland. Who's doing it? And I understand he's doing an extraordinary job. Yeah, Sven Haberman and his team in Conservation Letter Frack. Um, they have a great setup there and have just a great reputation in, in museums and so on um, in, in Europe. Um, so... He is restoring it. The detail, it just is mind-boggling, actually. Um, I gave a talk in Plymouth about two months ago uh, on the centenary of Shackleton's ship departing from there, and they wanted to hear about the cabin. And, I mean, Sven, they've matched the wallpaper on the roof of the cabin with wallpaper in a house in London, they've managed to trace back through the the actual designation of that wallpaper, reproduce it. Um, there's also one or two fittings which aren't in the cabin. It's, it's largely very it's very intact and structurally intact, but uh, he's redoing the fittings with timber of the same type from the same um, from the same era. You know, so the detail is just as as it's one of those people. He's he's a passion for his work, and he is doing this because he's interested in Shackleton as well. Okay. That's
0: where he died. And if we walk over here, another exhibit you have, it's marking his death. And there's the Daily Mirror, mm-hmm. Shackleton Dies and Quest After Influenza, mm-hmm. the Daily Mail, Shackleton Diary, Last Century, Six Hours Before Death, I Saw a Lone Star. You've reproductions and letters he wrote.
1: Yeah, I mean, his death was, was a huge... It, 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 it took time, obviously. He died on the ship in South Georgia. It waited for a ship from South Georgia to get back to South America, news then spread. Uh, lots of the, it's, it's interesting, a lot of the governments in South America stood down for a day when they heard of his death. He lay in state in Uruguay um, for until his, the day after his birthday. His birthday was February the 15th. February the 16th, uh, his body was taken from Uruguay. Lady Shackleton had said he should be buried in South Georgia, uh, in the Antarctic, because that's really where his heart lay. There was mm-hmm. a cairn to mark his grave. What's there today? Cairn today. is still there, uh, and it's used as a navigation mark for for ship coming into Gritwick in, in South Georgia. The ship itself went on to complete some of the work that was planned for the expedition. They felt this is what Shackleton would have wanted, and they were probably right. Frank Wilde was leading it. Anyone knew how Shackleton thought it was Frank Wilde. When they came back then, they built the cairn to commemorate Shackleton. Still there today? Still there today,
0: yeah, yeah. What's the future for you now? You you have the centenary coming up just next month.
1: Yeah, I think um, lots of things. Again, next year, there's the search for endurance and so on, depending on what that comes up with. The centenary, we have various events planned and we will be publicising those as as they come up.
0: Sinead Collin is the administrator at the museum. So what kind of people come here?
3: All sorts, from every background, different nationalities. The normal Joe Soap will come in to have a look. Um, then we'll have people from further afield that would have a passion for polar exploration.
0: There's a big link with New Zealand?
3: Oh, massive link with New Zealand. I think it's the fact that Shackleton would have have one of his expeditions, he would have been over towards New Zealand.
0: Are there school tours come through here?
3: There is. Recently now, we've had one from School of Hinafe here in the Thai. They were here on Wednesday. They're a primary school and they're actually do- learning about Shackleton in school now this year. Okay.
0: How do kids react to what you've got here?
3: Oh, they love it. So they they really, really love it. And pre-COVID, we would have had a handling collection. So the kids would have got to hold things. And because as you know yourself, kids are more hands on.
0: What are your opening hours? If we want to find out more about you, where do we find it?
3: Um, You can find it on our website, shackletonmuseum.com, and also on our Facebook. And our opening hours are 10 to 1 and 2 to 5, Monday to Friday, and weekends on request.
0: And thanks to everybody at the Athai Heritage Centre and the Shackleton Museum. You can order that CD I played, Shackleton's Endurance, composed by Brian Hughes, from them. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rt.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe.
1: Seascapes is presented and produced. By Fergal Keen.